This week's episode of the Weekly General Meeting Podcast is brought to you by Aiken Promotions, who would like you to know that David O'Doherty is playing Vicker Street on November 4th and 5th, 2016. Um, so you should go along to uh, vickerstreet.com and have yourself a ticket to see my favourite stand-up comedian, probably, I would say. I've always been such a massive fan of David's uh, stuff. Um, I can't I can't count how many times I've gone to see David O'Doherty uh, perform and it's always been an incredible show I've never been even close to being disappointed uh, he is one of the funniest uh, people in the country and beyond and uh, is, a, is, a, is a jolly nice man to boot uh, so he deserves your patronage and he won't disappoint you in, in the uh, mirth department in return for that uh, so yeah David O'Doherty November 4th and 5th in Vicker Street uh, get on to vickerstreet.com and nab yourself a ticket that was the ad and this is the show Welcome to the Weekly General Meeting, a podcast about creativity. I'm Neil Conlon and this is Shane Langan. <laughs> Hello. Uh, so this is a special episode this week, a break from our usual format, and it's all about a very unusual art project. Yeah, it's uh, the project is called Four Bothies, and it was put together primarily by Luke Franklin, a filmmaker and an artist from Dublin. And uh, well, first of all, here's, here's Luke with, with the, the project's pitch. You could create a space that if it was hard enough to get to and hard enough to find, people would respect it and people would want to use it. And artists at all stages are desperate for space. And, it, and, and space is a, a really weird esoteric notion for artists. It's like, oh, it was all about the space and the gallery space and the studio space. And oh, it's all, it's, it causes so much fucking turmoil for artists. So what we did is that we created four bodies, a study, a studio, a library and a gallery that were hidden around Ireland in some of the most hardest to reach places and some of the most beautiful places. We built them, we spent a year, 18 months building them, hiding them, and hiding is an important word because we never told anyone where they are. But we've kind of left clues. The project exists as a website, it exists as a gallery show, it exists as uh, a lecture at an arts festival and it exists as a lot of shy talking over a pint. And when you go and you look at the pictures of me and a gang of lads going and having an adventure, creating this work, and then hopefully you'll see and you'll pick up the clues and you'll see the pictures and you'll read the text that has been written that says, kind of explains in a roundabout way where it is. It might inspire you to take on this exploration, take on this adventure and sweat and toil in the wind and in the rain. But when you get there, you don't have an explorative experience. You're not at the top of the mountain. You're not planting a flag. You get to a place and you have an artistic experience. You get to the library and there's a chair and there's some books. You get to the gallery and there's some art to look to look at. It's a bit of both, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because it's a, you know, to to find, you know, to get to these places, there is that you 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 know, even on a smaller scale, you're not climbing Everest, you're not going down to the Mariana Trench. You you are, but you are 
it is a it is an achievement that's, to get there. That's the whole point of it is that it's, it's they're hard to find and they're hard to get to. So you must kind of put on the explorer's jacket. But when you get there, you don't have an explorer's experience. You have an artistic experience. You have the same experience you'd have in the Tate or, you know, a, a small gallery in fucking Hackney. Did you edit in the Whitney Houston <laughs> to make Luke sound more heroic? Uh, no, no, no. Apologies for that. No, we recorded that little chat after a few points in a little bar um, in Cleggan. Where, where are we going to? We'll get to that. But it, it, the, the bar had a, had a sort of a middle of the road radio station blaring throughout. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I think it might have added to the interview a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we had Luke and one of his collaborators, Dave Tynan, on one of our recent live nights presenting the project. And uh, we're all set to have the presentation on the podcast. But then we realised that we probably wouldn't do Four Bodies justice to just do that. Yeah, exactly. So, so we thought that we should actually go and experience one of the Bodies ourselves and take you, the listener, along for the ride. So I called up Luke. Did, and did you actually call him or did you email him? Why? What's the difference? Well, I know for a fact that you never actually call anyone if you can help it. Uh, you'll pretty much do anything to get out <laughs> of making a phone call. But it's just a bit weird to uh, hear that you called someone. Yeah. Well, I do. Yeah, that's that's fair. I don't. I, I do prefer to email because uh, when I call people up, I get very sort of nervous and incoherent and sort of don't really get my point across. So at least if I email, I can redraft and redraft and redraft. So, so you emailed Luke. Yes, I emailed Luke <laughs> and I asked him, would he take me along to see one of the Bothies so that I could document it for the podcast? And that's what you did. That's what I did. So I'm just here now. I'm in uh, Dunabate in my parents' house, which is in North County, Dublin. Uh, flew over last night from London, where I live. And uh, I'm over especially to go find one of the four Bothies. And... Uh, so I'm packed and I'm just waiting to be picked up now by by Mike, uh, Luke and Adam, who I'll be going over with. And uh, yeah, I'm packed and I hope ready to go. I don't really know what the journey will entail. So it's hard to know whether I've packed correctly or not. But I've got my Tascam recorder. I've got my ridiculous looking wind shield that I got. Um, so... Uh, so I'm excited. This is really, this is going to be fun. I think it's uh, it's not often you get to go on a journey like this where you really don't know what to expect. You don't really know where you're going. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be fun, and hopefully, I can wield it into something approaching a coherent podcast stroke radio story. So. So I'm in the car with Mike and Adam, right? Do you want to say hello? hello. Correct, yeah. yeah we're, we're at the airport and we're waiting for Luke. He's just flying in from London. That's correct. Correct, yeah. You guys can leap in at any point here. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to... Where are we going? I don't know. I thought, I thought, You're not saying Athlone first. <laughs> we're going to Athlone first, but we're going west. We're going to an island off the west coast. Yep. And that's all you're going to give me? For the moment, yeah. Here he comes now. Is he coming now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Luke's just arriving now with his bag, looking very pleased to himself. 
How's the fly? Grand. Yeah. Where'd you fly out of? Oh, Heathrow. Yeah. Terminal 2. Yeah. Oh my god. What? Just fucking talk. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you usually speak to people when you're interviewing? Uh, no. No, not usually, but I guess... Uh, full disclosure, I, I've known Luke and uh, indeed all the guys who I went on this trip with for, for quite a long time. I went to college with with two of them. So, yeah, this is this is a, a, a chummy trip and, and I hope that's okay. That's, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> they appear to be a little bit coy with you. They, they were really coy with me. Um, I, I think that the whole point of the Bothies are that their locations are supposed to be a secret and that the only way you're supposed to be able to go and find them is if you read the clues on the website and find your own way. Uh, to the point where actually the, the five guys who, who were involved in building this all signed NDAs. Not like non-disclosure agreements? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think, uh, to be honest, I, I think that is as much to add a little mystic to the whole process as Mystique. anything else. Mystique, yeah. <laughs> the process. Um but still, they they were like they were genuinely a little uneasy uneasy about simply bringing me there. When a body is there, unlocked, unofficial, and free for anybody to use. Yeah, that's fundamentally the buzz with buzz with bodies. Yeah, they started out as tiny little shelters for shepherds and groundsmen. Yeah, who were looking after thousands upon thousands of acres up in the Scottish Highlands. So they'd be who like, set them up? What? Who set, who the shepherds themselves. Them. Or they'd be like the part of the... You'd have a... It's still, it's still a situation in Scotland where you have the sixth earl of whatever or the queen or the whatever owns... Most of Scotland is owned by very, very, very few people. So you have these huge, huge tracts of lands that are owned and then there'd be uh, sheep rearing rights and hunting rights over stags and all that kind of jazz. Yeah. And because the ranges were so, because the tracts of land were so big, there'd be these tiny little shelters tucked away in valleys. If the weather came in, or to like, either they were emergency shelters to get stuck in, or they would plan to stay in them. Okay. Now these would be tiny little things, and imagine if you think about like a, a cleft between a valley and a little bit of a thing here, and a little bit of a thing here, and there's a bit of a cleft there, and a bit of a cliff, and maybe if we put a bit of a stone wall there and a bit of a roof on it. You know, you could have two or three lads bed down for the night and that would be enough. Yeah. Um, so if you look at the Scottish bodies, they usually seem like they're kind of in the ground. Yeah. And maybe there's a bit of wall and a bit of a roof. But it, it's not like a four four square walls and a peaked roof kind of a thing. Okay. Um, and so they started off as that, that they, that, that they were there. Um, and that's kind of 1600s, 1700s kind of time. Mm. And then concurrently you have the same kind of idea happening in the states where you have cabins in the woods in north canada and alaska where it's just purely out of kind of rural necessity and rural friendliness that if you come across a cabin and the errant owner the owner that the, the owner that the owner the person who looks after it normally isn't there you're more than welcome to let yourself in to get out of the wind to use whatever stocks are there and look after yourself so it's that idea of okay these places in, in themselves aren't really official, but anyone who comes along them, comes across them, yeah. can use them and they're, they're respected. So that's the other thing is that, and it's kind of, it's much more 
blatant or much more talked about in Scotland where the shepherd shelters have now turned into climbing shelters that there are rules of the body and each body would have its own rules or would have guidelines and it would say you know stock it up with wood again or leave behind any food you don't need or and it's just generally leave it better than you found it yeah that's ultimately where it comes from yeah and so that's one of the things that I latched onto, which was if it's hard enough to get to and hard enough to find and that there isn't necessarily a map that getting to it requires a bit of gumption requires a bit of word of mouth requires a bit of passing on the knowledge from the will to do it as yeah, well. yeah from me to Adam to Mike to you yeah then it'll be respected once it's found and once it's used yeah yeah I guess it is all about the journey though isn't it it's not it's not, it's not just about being there seeing it it's about the, the whole process because it's not having the crack with the lads having the crack with the lads and uh, getting someone to bring you over and all that jazz well that's this is the, this is the problem is that this is highly illegal yeah if the, we've we've specifically said in the rules that we will never bring anyone with us while we go over alright so my presence is illegal your presence is illegal alright yeah. yeah. okay what rules the rules of the non-disclosure agreements that we all signed oh I see okay but I'm like a journalist essentially so that's even worse of, it's worse yeah how does that work because <laughs> journalists are parasites feeding uh, upon the work that not, real men do not podcasters though. not that's, podcasters that's okay. slightly different we don't you know there's no money involved there was no clause for podcasters in the so where were you headed uh, we were headed to the gallery which is uh, situated on a small abandoned island off the coast of Galway called Inishark. And if you read the clues, which I, I have to say I didn't actually bother to do because I was getting escorted there. And um, anyway, uh, you, you, if you read the clues, uh, you, you'll see that the gallery uh, is the only bothy where they actually tell you where it is. Um, and this is because it, of all the bothies, this is the one that is the hardest to get to. And they feel that because it's the hardest to get to, they'll tell you where it is. And the others are a bit easier to get to. So you don't know where it is. You have to decipher the clues. So anyway, we were, we're, so we were heading to this fishing village of Cleggan by Athlone. What, why Athlone? Oh, yeah, because one of the conditions of me being brought to the gallery was that I had to hang a piece of arse. Athlone, Shane. Uh, yeah, if possible. If it's not too much to paint the arse to uh, get the last piece of my what I'm going to hang. What are you gonna hang? I'm gonna hang. I thought I thought like I can't just hang someone else's piece of art, and obviously I'm not an artist, so I kind of had to feel. You are an artist. Well, okay, yeah, but not in the terms of like I don't paint things or draw things. That's okay. So gallery is there for any any artist. I'm way ahead of you. I'm going to because obviously we're doing. I'm going for the podcast. Right. I'm going to hang the podcast. Okay. I'm gonna get a tape recorder and I've recorded right. onto a cassette okay. a few episodes of it. Right. And I'm gonna hang it. Great. Does that sound okay? That sounds brilliant. Okay, cool. What what kind of tape recorder were you buying? Um, yeah. Well, I, there there believe it or not, there isn't a huge sort of selection of tape recorders around anymore. But I needed something small, reasonably loud, and above all, battery powered. Um. So it's actually, if you've actually gone to buy a tape recorder lately, they're really expensive nowadays. Um, but anyway, I, I saved up a few pennies and we stopped off in Argos in Athlone. I knew Athlone would have an Argos and they did. And um, what I could really, all I could really afford was essentially a Walkman with a big speaker on the front. And here's me buying it. No. Thank you very much. Thank you. Do you want a little bag? No, I'm okay. I'm okay. Thanks very much. I get it. Very good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Um, so, <laughs> anything else happen on the actual road trip? Um, apart from buying, apart from buying a, a Walkman, uh, not really. I mean, I, I'd say I'd say that it flew by, but I actually had to take part in a rather stressful game that the lads insisted we play called Horse. How do you play Horse? What what's Horse? Uh, I I I played it for four hours and I still have no idea. <laughs> right, so Horse is a game that we play. When we're doing body stuff, yeah, or just generally, yeah, yeah, general, general, general travel game, yeah. The rules are simple, but for some reason they seem to be needing to be repeated quite a lot. <laughs> okay. If you see a horse, say horse. You get one point. If you see a picture of a horse, say horse. Define what kind of a horse it was. So you say horse. horse. If you see the word horse or horse within a word, Hello, a game of horse. It created a tension in the car for the duration of the journey that I found completely unnecessary. <laughs> and we could have just been shooting the shit or listening to music. Anyway, uh, so four and a half hours of a, and a genuinely staggering number of horse busts later. I'm looking at you, Kildare. And, you know, but, you know like every, every uh, it seemed like every gate in uh, in Kildare had, had two horses on it and they're big points, uh, I think. Uh, <laughs> Um, anyway, four and a half hours later, we arrived in the incredibly picturesque village of Cleggan. So nice. It's incredible. That red and white boat's the ferry. Which one? That's what we're going to get to. The one to on the right is the big one. one. We'll, yeah, it's the one we'll get, get over. We'll get that to Boffin, and then the lads will take us from Boffin. Oh, so we don't go directly from here to. No. Sure. No. We got a boffin first. Boffin. So that's boffin their head then. Is that what you're that's saying? That's boffin over there. And how big is shark? Then? Shark was the one that was straight ahead. Oh, so that is pretty big. Yeah. All right. Okay. Ah, so nothing goes direct from here to. Yeah. Oh, cool. Wow. It is. It is complicated to get here. Yeah. This is so pretty. Wow, we. Wow, we. Okay. So I don't say that often. <laughs> That's extraordinary. Beautiful. So nice. So Joyce is not the place we go to. No. We don't like Joyce's. Never we don't been. not we, like we've never been there. never been. We go to Oliver's. Oliver's. And Oliver's is where we're staying. It's this a pub. Oliver's. Pub and rooms. This is like unlike any other place I've ever been to before. This is so weird and quaint and nice. So is there like, do people, like guys fish out of here, do they? Uh, I think it's more lobster and crab than fishing. Okay. So they'll set out pots. Is that what they do? Off boffin, off shark, and then off the mainland. Yeah. Amazing. But then also, that's a bit of a sore subject because they're they're trying to turn. 
I don't know. I can't remember exactly what the details were on this, but they're trying to turn shark into a nature refuge, which means that up to 100 meters or a certain distance off the shoreline, they wouldn't be able to set their pots and all this kind of jazz. Okay. Um, so and it, they're all they're all lads that have lived here their whole life, been shit fishing here their whole life, but and it's you know it's small scale local cottage industry stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's outsiders getting involved which fucks them off yeah understandably <laughs> so uh, um, so yeah let's get out <laughs> say hello so the, the ferry to, to Inishbofin and, and the subsequent little speedboat rib thing across to Inishark which is our final destination that wasn't until the following morning so the four of us settled in for a night of boozing pool and crab claws which were delicious and um, and the lads told me about the first time that they made the trip over to Shark to build a bothy. So did you bring tents across? Yeah. yeah. That's like you. Tents, generator. Generator, water, absolutely everything. Five days. And what was the weather like? The, the, it was windy. And cold because we were in the because we were in the school. Yeah. You're actually fine. Yeah. But then the roof, the, the roof was made out of uh, corrugated plastic. So like white corrugated plastic, like you put on a like a shit conservatory. Yeah. And they're all in eight by four sheets. So you'd get one of them and then you'd stand up on the roof holding one of these things and you'd be over the roof line yeah. and realise that the wind was whipping across and at two o'clock in the morning you go flying. <laughs> you know. The whole theory was that we'd have two days to build it. Yeah. But as with just generally coming down here you don't know it's about the wind and the swell and the sea and can you land and quite busy people yeah and five quite busy people and so the boat that we the boat that we're going over on now is just a rib that's a lot more nimble a lot quicker and can get us in you can jump off and you can get out yeah the boat that we brought over the bovie in basically was like a truck yeah the flatbed we drove our van onto it yeah. and you have to unload out the back of it so it needs to be able to settle much more yeah. so we just weren't able to land the first day so we spent the day the first day we were supposed to be building in this pub having pints and eating crab claws um, and then went over the next day with half as much time so we're like we're saying get dropped off hump a building in sections flat back out of the van that's on the boat. Yeah. It's like, it's like the woman who ate the thing, who ate the thing. The van, the the, bit, the buildings in the in the van. The yeah. van's on the boat. The boat goes over. You open the doors of the van, dump it all onto the pier, carry it up the hill, start settling it in. Yeah. The building that you're putting it into is 80, 100 years old. It's all cobbled together and kind of skew-eyed. Yeah. So you've nothing straight to go off. That took ages to even get some notion of how do we. How do we build it so that it's going to be the same that, as we built it before? So you, like, so you had, tw- they were definitely coming back in 24 hours. For yeah. You. So did you, did it take longer than you thought it was going to take? Did you have to like rush to get it done in time? No. We worked really hard. Yeah. We had enough time to, uh, we had to time manage it till the last 20 minutes, till like the, right now we need to start moving stuff down towards the pier to get to make sure we're there but yeah we got it in there yeah it was just works really really hard yeah did you was it always in your head like did you ever sort of 
because I'm sure like the idea of the, the abstract idea of doing it yeah. and the reasoning behind it is great when you're in a room yeah. thinking of it up yeah. but when you're actually out there doing it did you ever lose sight of that or forget what you're doing or just, I was or terrified just kind of, you, all the time yeah. I was terrified all the time because this was Luke's mouth is writing checks that like and you spent money on it yeah it cost me a fucking fortune yeah so you were but it was it was, it was more just like maybe this is this just isn't possible or isn't possible within the time scale or within the whatever yeah. you know within the there were lots of those every few days as well yeah like you, once we're in the midst of it it's like maybe, we can, maybe today is not possible and that means we're screwed yeah so there's nobody living on this island anymore no no not on shark no oh, it's completely uninhabited uninhabited apart from, from sheep what, what happened why well, um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just let Luke tell you that, actually. What was interesting about Shark is that, and this kind of, this was ne- this is half intended, half lucky, half kind of romantic charm, is that Shark had such a rough history. Excuse me, it was abandoned in 1960. Previously, it had a... And just what what are the what are the circumstances under which it was it was abandoned? Yeah. So, shark originally had a population of probably around 100, 120. Um, there was 20, 20 odd people living there by the, by nineteen sixty, um, and those final twenty uh, evacuated all in one go. In the run up, were they compelled to do so? The, what, it, it depends what you mean by compelled. Compelled by themselves or compelled by the government? The the government at the time refused to build a new pier, um, which would have helped bigger boats land on Shark, which meant it would have been easier to get on and off. They refused to lay a communications line. Um, and so it, it, in the run-up to 1960, a couple of tragedies happened. Two brothers and a cousin died rowing to Inishbofin for Mass, and then a lad spent a week dying of appendicitis because they couldn't get a signal to a doc- to get a doctor over to the island. So that that's four out of, in the run-up to it, maybe there are only 40 or 50 people there, which is a huge loss to an island. So you have the government not supporting the island and kind of refusing to invest in it in, in any way whatsoever. They did offer them land on the mainland. They did offer them some land in Boffin. They offered them some land in Meath, but far, far inferior land. The land in Boffin, the land on Shark is really, really good, and they just and they didn't want to leave their home, um, and so the the population kind of dwindled and dwindled and dwindled until 1916, and they all left, in kind of one go. And there's extraordinary photos of people carrying kind of uh, wardrobes and bedsteads and loading sheep and all sorts into curricks and rolling them off. Um, there's also a very sad story of an owl fella whose two sons died and he stayed one last night on the island on his own, laid dinner for the two sons and himself and stayed one last night on the island. And that, that's, that's generally the kind of story, if you go to the RT archive, if you read some of the papers stuck up on the wall here in, Cleggan's, in Oliver's Pub in Cleggan, that's generally the, the kind of story. It, you know, the population dwindled, the government wouldn't intercede, the government wouldn't help, and everyone just kind of had to leave by the end of it. So was heavy drinking the night before a ferry ride a 
boys? No, no, it was a dreadful, <laughs> dreadful idea. Um, so I'm just waking up now. Oh, I'm, I'm awake, uh, obviously, because I turned the task cam on. And uh, horrendously hungover from last night when we, um, the four of us uh, played pool and drank a lot of pints in Oliver's in Clagan. And, um, yeah, and uh, didn't drink any water for some reason. Uh, so now, um, getting up now and a bit of breakfast and then onto the boat to, we're going to get a ferry over to Boffin Island, or Inish Boffin, and from there we're going to get a little rib speedboat thing uh, over to Inish Ark. Um, where we will see the body, hopefully. Uh, all going well. I, I've had a quick look outside. It's all I could really bring myself to do. Um, and it looks pretty pretty okay in outside. So we should be okay. The weather should be okay for us to actually land on in a shark. Um, but I guess you never know. Apparently it's it's complicated landing there. But we'll, we'll see. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, so yeah, that's Ad, that, that's in the background is Adam in the shower. Um, I had a shower there just before. Very nice, very good shower. High pressure. Very, very good. Woke me up. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, should be fun. Looking forward to it. Don't know if you'll be able to hear me over the sound of the engine, but uh, we're on the boat to Boffin from Cleggan uh, Harbour. Uh, it's a rather a large ferry. Quite a few people on it. It says about 50 people going across to. Uh, Boffin on a Tuesday morning. Uh, we can see Shark off to our left, but we're going to Boffin. Uh, we'll be getting a rib boat uh, from there. It's absolutely beautiful out here, and there's so many, uh, so many islands off to the left and the right, and uh, it's a really beautiful, sunshiny day, and the uh, sea is really calm in the bay here. It's absolutely amazing. So pretty. Yeah. As easy as it is for me to say this, having not been there, yeah. and I'll put a lot of it down to you being hungover, but for somebody that claims to be a writer, your descriptions are <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not afraid. That's true. That is absolutely true. I, I was horrendously hungover, but yeah, listening back to that, it was pretty... Genie <laughs> Mac, yeah. The scenery is good. The sun is shiny. <laughs> sea is calm. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's good to get those kind of things boxed off, just in case there was any ambiguity. Yeah, it sounds like an Anne Barry story. And this ferry took you to Inish Boffin. Yeah. That's not the island with the Bothy on it. No, no, that's the the Bothy is on Inish Ark, which is a slightly smaller island, which is about four and a half kilometres uh, away from Boffin. So, like, all the infrastructure and all the community and you know, the people are still living on, on Boffin, but it's next to this oh. abandoned island gotcha right so so the type right the type of island that has a proper ferry going to it right boffin boffin yeah 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 yeah. yeah. so getting getting onto inner shark is 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 trickier they, they don't there isn't like a there isn't a steady ferry going to shark you have to go to oh. boffin and then you've got to pay some guys to take you on their little boat across Dump you there and come and come back at an allotted time. What kind of guys? Boat guys. <laughs> these are these are real guys. These are guys with middle distance stairs and pipes. 
Oh, geez, having having been in Cubs with you and yeah. and 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 Sea Scouts, uh, you, you, I know you must have felt right at home. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I'm not good with guys, actually. Um, but luckily, luckily, the, the lads I was with already had a relationship with them, so I didn't have to do any sort of chatting or haggling necessarily. But I mean, I I, I kept thinking about what these sort of grizzled. Uh, fishermen would have thought about uh, Mike and Luke and all the other guys coming over when they first met them and, and, and say, can you bring us over to Shark to sort of build this art thing? You know what I mean? Well, it's 2016. People aren't that grizzled anymore, are they? Or, <laughs> Maybe know, not. I mean, Maybe probably not. not giving them enough credit. No. And Like, did you ask them what they thought when, when the, the guys first arrived? No, no, I was far too scared. No. <laughs> They're boat guys. <laughs> What? Just, you don't forget a thing like that, do you? You don't forget a thing like that. Oh, no. So in that last storm, part of this so we don't reckon that the boat that got us in with all our kit would still get us in. Four Yorkies and two bottles of Yeah, all right. You're off? We're good. Thanks very much. And and that's that's the sound of them leaving us on the island alone with little or no phone coverage for three hours. Um, uh, little, little did I know that this would be the last time I'd be wearing the shoes I was wearing. Why? What happened? What happened to them? Well, I stepped in. I stepped in a massive mud puddle and actually lost it. And like you know, when you step in something and your your foot comes out, but your shoe isn't there anymore. So I had to. I had to. I had to throw them out because they were so badly ruined. Anyway, that's that's not really. Why did you throw them out? Because they were they were ruined. What did you walk in? Mud. No, afterwards, like what footwear did you Oh, walk? no, I threw them out once I got home. Ah, you make it sound so, so dramatic. Okay, right, yeah. so set the scene. What are you walking onto apart from puddles? Um, <laughs> I'm walking through puddles and into a, a ghost town, basically. Like, literally, like, this is the definition of a ghost town. So, basically, everyone upped and left completely abruptly in, in 1960. Um, and so, what is left now is basically the same buildings pretty much exactly as they were then but with like 50 years of nothing happening no upkeep exactly and and and, and the wind being at them and stuff. it was like com- just totally surreal that's the graveyard wow reach of the stones up the gravestones but what happens is is that that's all it's all like really really loose kind of shale if you see it over there the cliff over there yeah you can see it's kind of rocks and sediment and so the kind of the, well not urban myth, the rural myth is that after a bad storm you'll see bones sticking out because it's worn away more and more and more of the cliff. So this is all, if you go around, this is all undercut a load. This is all undercut a load. So every time there's a bad storm, more and more of that graveyard's going off into the line. You can see this pile of rocks there marking out a grave. See, this is absolutely incredible. Look at all, look. I guess, yeah, I didn't really... I always thought there was. I didn't think to be this sort of, sort of like a ghost village. Yeah. To it. yeah. Yeah, of course. So there's over a hundred people living here at one stage. 
and then dwindled down to 20 before the evacuation. And kind of over two, three hundred years, like a fair old time. Yeah. You know I mean? So some of the buildings are very, very old and some of them are much newer. So even then, while there was people living here mid-century, they still would have been ruins. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's basically, uh, it's it's like a, it's, it's a total ghost town. There's quite a lot of houses. Mo- the vast majority of them are just shells with no roofs. There's a church there with no roof. It's ca- there's kind of roads, ju- but like they're kind of just grassy roads now. There's a buttload of sheep poop everywhere. And basically it's just a, an old ghost village that is now being just occupied by rams and sheep. See the kind of, the, you see here is the potato road. Wow, yeah. This is just a different world. Wow. Spotless. Yeah. The breeze, like the roof hasn't fallen in. The, the mm. windows aren't smashed. It's clearly been stripped and cleaned out. Yeah. And that's what happened when the, when the islanders left in 1960 and then through the start of the 60s, they were hoping to use the island seasonally. So come back in the summer when they could rely, when they could just rely on the weather yeah. and not need to, not to need too many big, big boats, not need too many, too much communications. And the government were just like, oh, you know what, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> so they came back and took the roof off the school and took the roof off the church. Wow. Which is why none of it's fallen in, none of it's, there's no glass left, there's no floor yeah, left. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's, it's like a very cleanly polished off shell of a, yeah. of a church. Yeah. You know, um, nothing's been left behind. And was the body still standing? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. They, they, but they, they built, they built the body basically as a prefab inside the shell of a of a really sturdy stone building that I'm sure had had stood for a hundred years. So it was really well sheltered. Uh, early, early on in the recording of this, uh, and I kind of thought that maybe I could. I could sow some in uncertainty of whether it would still be standing, and that might lend some sort of uh, dramatic narrative to the, to the radio story. But as you, as you you may have heard in one or two of the bits, the lads were supremely confident that no matter how <laughs> that no matter how hard I tried, uh, they never seemed to sort of admit to any doubt that it wouldn't be perfectly okay. And uh, lo and behold, when we got there, their confidence was completely and utterly very well founded. Um, right, so I'm having a pee before I go in. Okay. So you can go in. Thank you for having a pee. So we're actually go bladders. So it is the the shell of an old school house, and uh, but built into it. I mean, there'll be pictures on the on the website. But how would you describe it, Mike? As you approach it, That's prefab. Uh, yeah. Sort of a prefab built into a big red. Yeah, traffic light red, I, I believe. Yeah, with a door, with the double doors. Uh, and a little uh, bit of reinforcement in on the door from before. And gutters. Oh, yeah. You can need to go, you need to swap right There's gutters on the... Uh, oh, looking good up there. Okay, we're going to yeah, go in? Was, oh, the gutter needs a bit of Okay, a Luke is leading us in. Stiff door. And what have we got? Wow. So how is this... So it's it's pretty intact. Yeah. There's like you got a bit of mold going on here in the walls, but uh, someone has hung a teddy bear. So how much of this stuff is new now? Because there's there's artwork on the these, on the walls now. These four are what we brought. Okay. And then everything else is new. And it was just as, as they had pitched it, really, alongside some artwork that they had commissioned for the gallery. There was dozens of little pieces ranging. 
uh, from just like little little quick sketches on little pieces of card that they left to full on proper watercolor paintings on canvas. Uh, left there and hung by people who had either I presumably either just happened upon the gallery or who had heard apart who had heard about the project and maybe on the website and actually gone looking for it. It really was it was it was something. So you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen thirteen either photos or paintings and then a whole load of a whole load of um, oh yeah, fourteen paintings or drawings. And then a whole lot of these sheets where people just left their messages or little sketches. It's cool. What do you do, Mike? I am just uh, photographing the guest book just to document it so we can leave it behind. Uh, it's pretty full. Yeah. I kind of, I've just got to the page where we put in the flyer for the end of the last show. Yeah. Um, that was the last time you were here? That was... Um, yeah, that was the last time we were here. And so how many pages have been yeah. filled since then, roughly? Uh, Quite a few. Yeah, like 20 pages, and there's a lot on each page. That's extraordinary. Um, so it's called Four Bothies, right? Yeah. I just want to get this for you. Uh, there's only three left. There's only three to be found now. Yeah. What happened to the fourth one? The fourth one was the one that was in Dublin. Yeah. Originally, we had it set down on a bit of private land that we had sneaked access to thanks to a kind of understanding estate agent. Yeah. Um, a hot pink shipping container drags a lot of attention. Yeah. And Dublin Port Company trained a, uh, trained a security camera on it for 10 days and then stuck a load of stickers on it saying, this vehicle has been clamped, do not attempt <laughs> to move it. So we gave them a call and they asked, well, no, we gave them a call. and was there, there wasn't a clamp on it though. No. They didn't try and... No, we gave them a call and then they, we said we had the permission of, well, we had the kind of vague permission of the estate agent because yeah. the, the, the bit of land wasn't rented out. Then it was getting rented out, so we had to move it. Um, I had a friend of mine that had a bit of land that was undeveloped up in Harold's Cross. Yeah. Um, so we put it in there um, and did a, we updated the website with a bit explaining about how it got moved and the new place and clues to its new location. Yeah. Um, then I got a phone call from the lad who owned the lad saying, uh, Luke, there's a load of guriers throwing rocks at your body. There's a homeless lad been living in it and uh, I think we need to get it out. And then the next day I got a phone, I got a picture, I got a picture message of him off the body that had been burnt out. Oh, man. So we went, obviously, like the thing that we keep on saying, if it's hard enough to get to and hard enough to find, people respect it. But obviously in Dublin... It was too easy to Let get to. Let us down, Dublin. Let us down, Dublin. Are you, are you, uh, are you disappointed about that? Um, it's just part of the project. It's more story. Yeah. It got lifted onto the back of a truck and got crushed into a cube. Um, and if it was, it's one of four. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the st- it's, so. It's just one of part of the story. If if it was the only one, I'd be gutted. Yeah. But it just kind of adds to the whole story. The whole thing is still going. And one thing that I think is apparent with the gallery is that the project works on a time scale that's completely different to you or I. You and me think about this week, next week, and next year seems like an eternity away. But the project is a much slower going thing. I haven't been here to the gallery on Shark in two years, but we're here and we're checking in on mm. it. And that's fine. The, the, ga- the whole project works on a much slower time scale. So for in the... In the, in the three, four years that the whole project has been going, we've lost one, 
But on the other end of the scale, one, another one has had two exhibitions in it. Mm. And you just let it play out at its own pace and do its own thing. Yeah. You wouldn't replace it then? No. No, definitely not. No. no. Yeah. So what happened after that? Um, we explored the island, walked, walked up and opened, opened. Actually, oh, and I, I made a friend. Or at least I, I thought I had made a friend. Managed to find a square meter of ground that doesn't have any uh, uh, sheep shit in it, just about. And uh, sitting outside the bothy, uh, oh, I thought I, would, I thought I made friends with a lamb there. A lamb came up bleating to us, and uh, the other lads walked off to do what well, was going to do a bit of maintenance work, and uh, it was bleating at me. Then I was the only one left. And I kind of got the impression that it wanted me to go with it. it. Wanted me to follow him, you know, like like Lassie would, as if, you know, someone was in trouble. And uh, so I walked a little bit, and then it sort of then it stopped again and, and bleated for me to come again. So I followed it, and uh, there, there was no there was no boy trapped down a well or anything like that. It was uh, he just brought me over to his dad. who looked kind of a bit annoyed that I was hanging out with this lamb. Very felt very ashamed. I felt like I was going to get told off. Um, but he did come up to me and I, I thought there was trouble, so I wasn't being a creep. It's just, uh, that's just the way it happened. That is the most Shane clip ever. <laughs> you, you are a lamb creep. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and um, so, so did you did you make your contribution to the gallery? Yeah, I did. Our, our contribution, of course, Um Needless to say, it was the first podcast hung in the gallery that I'm aware of. The lads are just finishing doing a bit of tidying up, so I guess the time has come for me to hang. Uh, I was I was told to bring some art to hang, so I brought an ep- a few episodes of the podcast, and uh, I've got it on a little tape player that we're going to hang up, and people can listen to when they come here. Uh, but on review of the tape, it's quite. The volume is quite low. It's quite a bad recording, unfortunately. But what can we do? Listen. Do you hear any noise getting in the it way? It is. It is. It is. It is quite peaceful here. So I think we got that playing in our favour. Um, nothing I can do now about it anyway. So. Looks like quite a nicely shaped walkman hole. That's quite pridey of placey. Is that all right? I think you deserve pridey oh, of placey. Okay. <laughs> Player is now hanging. That's a uh, Callow Ryan performing, uh, and then that was in uh, episode one of the podcast. Is now playing in the Bothy. That sounds great. Ah, oh, that's nice. We're artists. We are officially artists. We are hanging artists. <laughs> Does Callow Ryan know that he's performing in a remote shack off the, the coast of Ireland? Uh, well, I, I guess he does now. Assume, if, if he's listening. Assuming that he listens. You better be listening, Callow. You said that you subscribed to this podcast. Yeah. And you are also very welcome to be a guest in the future, if you like. So we're at the dock at the appointed time that we would be picked up but there's no sign of the boatmen is that is that gonna is that an, are you guys worried is that a problem no no got a knife what you do what a knife yeah. for what 
Just in case we had to take a sheep out of it. Oh god, no. I've got a Yorkie. Have you? Yeah. Okay. Got a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, I've got, got a bottle of whiskey. Water up there. It's nice and warm in the body. Yeah. A little tin of snuff. Yeah. Do okay. We do okay. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. I felt smoke, so I'd rather it didn't. I think I'd get trench foot if I'd sleep here tonight without sharing with my stepped in so much so much wood. One of us would 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 get to be little 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 spoon. Oh yeah. Triple little. How do we decide that? Well, we decided that it was about size. Could rotate. No, no, no. It's not about size. Shane, Mike. No, 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 no. Me, no, Adam. No, because no, no, no. no, we've had the, we, this is exactly what we said yesterday. Is that I sometimes enjoy being the small spoon. Yeah, it's no. not about enjoying. It's about you know. And it's yeah, but it works. Yeah. yeah. I don't think size is that necessarily is you know is that's not the way it works. So how would we decide spoon positions? Draw lots. Okay. Draw lots. Could we not play a game of pens against the wall? Yeah, we could do that. And so, leaving, what was your impression of the island and, and of the project in general? Um, the, the project project is project was, is incredibly impressive, and I would wholeheartedly um, recommend everyone listening to go onto the website, read about the Bothies, and then go look for one because that's really that's really what it's all about. Um, there are three of them left, obviously. Um, but of the island, my impression was that it was, it was really beautiful, but it was immensely sad. I think it was like a, a little glimpse into into the past, and and being there, you could really sort of see all those people, sort of, you know, with their stuff underneath their arms and getting onto little boats and stuff like that. It's incredibly sort of, it's really sort of you can't sort of go there and not sort of feel quite somber, you know. But um, it's really beautiful, though. I think it's it's one of the most unique places. I mean, I haven't been many places, but it's certainly the most unique place I've ever been. Sounds amazing. Yeah. I'm in. What do you mean? I'll go. Oh, you'll go. I'll go. Yeah, you should go. You should go. It's great. It's it's a really beautiful place, and um, and the and every day and sort of every well not every day, but uh, on a regular basis, little bits of the pier fall off. So every day it gets a little bit more difficult to get there. So if you if you do plan on, on going there, I would suggest you, you try and do it sooner rather than later. So how did I do? You did okay. Yeah. Yeah. Shoe choice was... Poor. Poor. Yeah. But generally, you know, you did all right. Yeah. You did all right. There was a hairy moment in that loan. And the tape recorder was a bit, or the Walkman was a bit quiet. Yeah. But I think it worked out okay. In the it end. worked out okay in the end. Yeah, that's good. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Yeah. It was, uh, to have you. Yeah. It was a bit fun. And so, what are you guys? Uh, I'm. You're dropping me off in Galway now. Yeah. Uh, where, where, he- where are you and Mike heading off to? We're heading off to an undisclosed location. Right. To where the library is. Yeah. To check in on it, we know it needs some maintenance. Yeah. So we're going to drop in and see what it needs, and hopefully tidy it up a bit. Very good. And um, when do you? So how long? How long? So how long do you expect to keep doing this? To keep going to these parties and maintaining? I have no idea. No. Do you think you'll still be doing it when? I don't know. Ten years? I don't know. I know what I'm doing on Friday. Yeah. I know what I'm doing on Saturday. I don't really know what's Mike's birthday is in two weeks. What happens then you make a decision about it? Well no, that's just what I know what I'm doing. Oh okay. 
that's about that's about as far as my horizon is. So yeah, they're there till they're not like yeah. until either somebody kicks us out or something happens or but they seem to be having a good effect on the places that they're there, that they're in. Yeah. It's not too much work to keep an eye on them. Yeah. We like going to them and dropping in. It's a chance for us to get away as much as it is for a new visitor. So, yeah, why not? There doesn't have to be a time limit on things. It's kind of like we were saying before about the art, art is what works at a very different timeline to us. You know, we want to talk about you know, this summer or next year. But it doesn't matter to the place at all. You know, it just cares about the storm and the weather. So if it's all right, we're all right. Cool. Well, that's as good a note as any to end on. So there are three of the four Bothies remaining out there. Head over to fourbothies.com to figure out where they are and get going to one or four or three of them. Awesome. Great job. Thanks. You did a great job. Oh, thanks very much. It was a proper expedition. It was a proper expedition. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, the the guys that put together four bodies are uh, absolute head cases and geniuses. And we were delighted to have them at the live show um, to explain it to people. It was really interesting to see people's reaction because it's such a peculiar idea to set up these kind of secret shelters around the place that people would have to invest their time to find the locations and you know spend some time getting there it's it's kind of unusual these days when you can kind of google something and see a picture of it straight away and experience something like that by proxy you know i've seen hotels hanging off the cliff face in sri lanka that i'm probably never going to go to but part of me feels like i've kind of been there because i saw a photograph yeah but i like the way that this project involves you the person that if you want to experience it you have to first of all find out where the hell they are yeah. and then go and visit them yourself yeah and uh, it's and it's you know as, as i said as i said i said on, on the recordings there like it's about the journey as much as it is about actually getting there and seeing it and it's about sort of who you go with you know yeah. cool well thank you very much for listening to this episode of the weekly general meeting podcast uh we have been produced today by a very fantastic producer called Eilish bracken and we have been mixed by the fantastically talented Emma Butt. Um, we have been presented by the relatively mediocre, but trying our best, Neil Conlon and Shane Langan. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, if you do get a chance, check us out on Twitter at The Weekly GM, Facebook forward slash The Weekly GM. Uh, the website is theweeklygm.com. And um, if you do get a chance, let us know what you think of the podcast. What rate, you think? Rate, of... subscribe, and comment on iTunes. Yeah, please. and even aside from like the actual, just you know, rating and 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 in you know, giving us your thoughts on on iTunes, which is great and it's really important for all that kind of shit. But just let us know, like, send us a tweet, send us an email, um, and let us know what you like and what you don't like, but mainly what you like, because we are fundamentally insecure. Yeah, and actually, it would be nice to know what you guys would like to hear more of on the podcast or new stuff of. You know, that's always good too. Yeah, this was a bit of a departure for us. Um, Did you like it? Would you like to hear more? <laughs> Would you like to hear less? <laughs> but, uh, but we enjoyed putting it together and uh, it was a lot of fun and we hope you enjoyed it. And we are going now. Goodbye. Yeah, see you next week. <laughs>